0: We gotta go to the bullpen! Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown, or you're fresh out of the minor leagues. This is a podcast for you. It's been another action-packed week in the world of Major League Baseball, with again a mixed, a mixed seven days of results and performances for the teams that are followed by the Highland Bullpen Bros. We are the diehards for the White Sox, Red Sox, Tigers and Mariners and we are bringing a uniquely Scottish flavour to the world of baseball podcasting. And here's the man who puts the Highland in the Highland bullpen, our very own Tiger, Alan, kicking us off this week or I should say going out to, to bat first for us this week. What's been happening with your Tigers over the last seven days?
1: Exciting week, Richard. I think I complained... Last week, I've got two wins. Fantastic stuff. Michael for the Tigers one day. I didn't have a great beginning to his rooting. I think he was taken out very early. We'll not say too early. But he came in as a reliever the next day and became, I think, the first Tiger in my lifetime. So that's almost 55 years to start one day and get a save.
0: Yeah, that's a 100% increase in the number of Tigers wins this week then, going up from from one one to a pair, which is definitely improvement in anyone's books. My Mariners have been heading in the wrong direction recently and obviously we've talked before how it's a marathon, not a sprint in Major League Baseball. Well, we're certainly back to that this year with a full regular season and you're going to go, go through stretches where your team just isn't getting the results that sometimes their performances deserve. But we are starting to leak runs. You know, our pitching's been a strength this season, uh, but we're starting to, to give up quite a few. So I'm hoping that the coming week we'll maybe get, get back on track Get some of that tighter pitching down there and, and get the big bats delivering the runs to, to turn around some of the perform to the results. But we're getting close to five hundred for the first time in, in a while. We've been sitting quite comfortably above that. So yeah, let's look for some improvements from my point of view from the Mariners. But, but Dave Junior, that, that, that have you seen many web gems for the White Sox
2: over your time following them? I have indeed. I have indeed. (laughs) Sorry, I've seen many web gems in my time, Richard, but that's a completely different podcast. And possibly one for a a slightly more mature audience. In terms of the White Sox this (laughs) week, it's been been really quite good. Uh, We've only had five games, uh, but four wins, amongst that, including a sweep over Kansas City uh, and a, a well earned draw against some high scoring Cincinnati Reds. So there, are, it's been a really good week for the White Sox, uh, and this coming week we'll be grateful of that little bit of rest because we have ten games over the next nine days. The majority of them at home, welcoming the Royals, uh, Kansas City Royals over to Chicago uh, as well as Minnesota. So we get quite a lot of inter-interdivision games coming up over the next the next week, which will be quite fantastic. But I think ten games, you're you're really looking at. Using your squad over that period of time. You know, White Sox fans are just never happy, it seems. Uh, even though we've got a team which is performing really quite well in the field just now, maybe something we come on to to talk a little bit more about later. But a good villain of the week, but also something that I learned in the form of Tony La Russa, our manager, similar to Dave. Uh, again, just something that I learned from from an occurrence this week. So I'll see if we will get some time later on to to kind of go into the details there. That sounds to me, it's a nice wee tease
0: there for later, later in the show, you, you big tease, Dave Junior.
1: So Dave, two wins for the Tigers, one against the Red Sox. Tell us a wee bit more about the Red Sox week, thanks.
3: The Red Sox had a pretty good week uh, with series wins over Allen's Tigers 2-1 and the Orioles 3-1 at Camden Yards. Um, as for my highlight of the week, I'm offering up a, a defensive play, mainly as an excuse to use a new baseball term I've recently come across. In Game 2 of the uh, four-game Red Sox series in Baltimore, the much-improved um, Boston starter Garrett Richards um, pitched a very solid seven innings. He received a lot of run support uh, from Boston's pretty hot batting lineup, and he also saw some terrific defensive play, especially from the infield when uh, he did get into a jam. Twice he benefited from a double play, also known as the pitcher's friend. I do like a double play, and one in particular was quite spectacular shortstop Xander Bogarts uh, made a great pickup from a well-hit ground ball. Um, He uh, quickly turned and threw to Chavis at second, who um, relayed it to the first base Bobby Dolbeck just in time um, for a 6-4-3 double play. Bogarts um, also had three hits in the game, And um, the headline on uh, Boston's uh, website, I think it's Ian Brown, who covers the the Red Sox uh, match reports, was Bogarts logged three hits and a web gem. Web gem, yeah, I like that. I presume a reference to uh, baseball bits uh, webbing, um, no doubt, and described as a spectacular individual or collective Defensive effort in a game of baseball. (laughs) I really like this game.
1: (laughs) So I think this week I want to give a shout out and hero of the week to the Detroit Tigers, Miguel Cabrera. Miggy hasn't had the greatest of starts this season. He did hit a homer in day one in the snow. Struggling a wee bit, he got dropped. We even dropped him from our fantasy team. Temporarily, Miggy, don't worry. But he then got a couple of hits during the week and, in fact, achieved the fantastic result of overtaking the iconic Babe Ruth in all-time hits. I think that put Miggy up to something like 45th place. He's now tied for 44th place in all-time hits. I think he might actually be the second highest active player on that list just now. He's got 2,876. 3,000 was a target for this year. Uh, hopefully he can get his bad hot and get back onto that. 3,000 is actually the figure of a man we've mentioned on the podcast before, the uh, the late, late, great Roberto Clemente. Uh, so that's in 32nd place. So you can see how Miggy can move up. A couple of places uh, higher are currently in sight with just a handful of hits. So good luck to him. All-time leader Pete Rose on 4,256 with our own Detroit Tigers Ty Cobb in second place. Well done Miggy. Uh, keep that bat hot. Okay Richard, I know you wanted to go back to Dave Jr. and ask him a wee bit about villain of the week, but I think he might also have something else he wants to chat about as well.
2: That's right Richard, um, so I know I alluded to my potential villain of the week earlier on, and it's a little bit of villainy, but also uh, just something that I've learned as well. So before I go into that, I would definitely like to point out something that I felt quite big in the week, uh, my hero of the week or my heroes. Uh, I love, so we've discussed before about the way the MLB do things, and we've we've heard some some negative feedback at times about how MLB can be a little bit stuck in the past and not as progressive as some of the other large sporting organisations. But the way that they look after Jackie Robinson Day, and but also something I noticed this week, uh, something small, but with it being Mother's Day or Mothering Day in the states and in many other parts of the world, every single player that I could see on the day wore something pink. Again, it could be a throwback. I'm sure there's people out there that may get angry at that, but I think the gesture is there from all teams, all players, to really celebrate their mothers and mothering figures in their life. Uh, every player seemed to either have a pink pair of shoes, a pink pair of socks, a pink cap, uh, some pink under armour, uh, and I loved seeing that. I think it's a great touch in a country when we get so offended uh, at, at these things. You know, I'm thinking about UEFA and, oh, you can't wear this, you can't do that. The MLB seems to have a great attitude about celebrating uh, really quite obvious holidays and, and, and showing those people in our lives, especially during this last 12 to 18 months, just who matters in life. So I, I thought that was 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 it a great point. Uh, in terms of Villain of the Week, again, I'll bring it back to the White Sox, but... This week with the going one one for one with the Cincinnati Reds, a really power-packed Cincinnati Reds on a road trip, we, you know, we won the first game really comfortably against a team that I've been playing so well. But the second game uh, was sitting nil-nil all the way to the end of the ninth. And there seemed to be some mix-up and confusion in the White Sox coaching staff because, uh, as you, you guys know, our closer, who came over for big, big money during the off season. Liam Hendricks, he started the 10th inning on second base. Now that is a rule that's been in place during 2020, but what uh, is causing White Sox fans and the media a little bit of, perhaps it might just be within the Chicago area where these things are investigated more thoroughly, is that Liam Hendricks started in second and had to concentrate on running bases. Uh, on, on getting home and, and potentially getting that match winning run at 0-0 but he was also then still in the lineup to be the closer uh, seconds later when we, uh, the Reds stepped up to the plate so this was really seen as, as quite poor coaching quite poor management um, and it turned out after the game when Tony LaRussa, the, the White Sox manager was questioned about this he said you know we, we had to start with, with Hendricks on the second base because he was the last hitter and it took one of the media guys to point out actually uh, it should have been Jose Abreu a much more accomplished batter a much, much more accomplished runner uh, who would have been sitting on second now other things happened uh, you 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 deserve to lose a game uh, 1-0 as it turned out with us not picking up any runs in that 10th inning but I think there's been a few other occasions this year where the, the coaching staff you know, Tony La Russa himself hasn't managed in, in nearly a decade but it, it just shows that there's there's always rules being tweaked every year, and incidents which occur uh, and are really quite interesting. Where you know the, the media were li- was literally picking up Tony La Russa after the conference, and, and he had to admit, I, I just didn't know that rule. For it should have been Jose Abreu, who I think had been the last batter prior to the half inning. Uh, a, a little bit complicated, and again, I, I I find it hard to get my head around it, but I'm not. One of the 30 managers who paid very handsomely within the MLB to know the rules and to have a coaching staff which can assist you during that. Um, so I, I found that really quite interesting. Tony La Russa is being paid to do it as a bit of a bad guy, a bit of a villain uh, by the White Sox fans. Again, not necessarily for losing the game because if you don't outscore your opponent, you deserve it, but just really for potentially not being up to speed uh, on how things are in, in the current climate. <laughs>
0: Now, Dave, Yorkshire Dave mentioned the idea that is there parity in baseball now this season in a way that perhaps there hasn't been in years gone by. Well, I do know and I do love to get one over, particularly on Alan when it comes to stats, because he's normally along with Yorkshire Dave that the stats aficionados. This year, for the first time in major league baseball history, after thirty games, no team had a better record than eighteen and twelve. So no team was doing better than 600 after the first 30 games of the Major League Baseball season, which is a record and has never happened before. So I guess the obvious question is, is there some kind of follow-on to last season, that kind of, well, unique season, but there was something disrupted there and, and perhaps the teams are, are still a quarter, not quite a quarter of the way through this season to getting back up to speed? Alan, you were looking to come in there.
1: Is the first time in history that's happened? This yes, the first,
0: first, first time in history. Nobody nobody after 30 games had a record better than 18 and 12, which was my kind of grade school arithmetic. It tells me 600,
2: so no one was doing better than 600. Dave Junior. So I was just wondering there, you talk about 18 and 12, but if you talk 12 and 18, did anyone come below those numbers?
0: No comment today. <laughs> One thing that occurred to me, I think it was a point possibly that, that, that Alan might have made earlier on, was that, you know, the the defence the defense part of the game and actually related to what you're talking about, web gems, and presumably web gems are even more important when your, your, your battles aren't really driving home the runs. And I was wondering in the world of football, if your team went out and the defenders all knew in advance that their team was going to score one goal or only going to score two goals, how much more pressure would that? Would they play exactly the same way? And I know baseball's not exactly like that. You don't know how many runs you're going to score. But if you, your batters are going through a lean spell and you are you know, the pitching staff, does that pressure get cranked up? Does it start getting into your head that every run that I allow the chances are good that my battles aren't going to get get me out of jail. I wonder about that kind of psychological bit. And, and Dave Jr., could you imagine for, for your team, for Rangers, if they went out knowing they were only going to score one goal? You've always got a, a record-breaking defence at Rangers this season, part of your historic title win. But how much more pressure would there be if defenders knew they had no margin for error?
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting point to take on board I think it might just depend on your mindset as a player. Uh, A lot of players, again, if we take it back to football, to use your analogy, quite often see every game as nil-nil constantly, that they're always looking to try and get that goal or or, or keep that clean sheet. So, no, it's an interesting one to take into baseball.
1: So our fantasy baseball update for the week in the UK Baseball Podcasters League. Uh, We continue To confound the media critics, most noticeably ourselves, as we record our fifth week unbeaten. Four wins and a tied 5-5 series. Uh, This week we were up against Ash of the great podcast, Bats, Caps and Sunflower Seeds. The boys talk a lot about grassroots baseball. We'll probably end up giving them some plugs this week as well, as we're up against Ian from the same podcast this week as well. But a 6-4 victory. Uh, our batters were hot here, we did well, uh, delighted to see. I'm going to pull rank here and I'm going to call Robbie Grossman of the Tigers as our Player of the Week on the batting side. Uh, five runs, a homer, four RBI, three stolen bases, so scoring in all categories and a 3.68 hitting rate. Uh, well done to Robbie, he's done well. He's now the lead-off man generally for the Tigers, uh, a good show. JD Martinez as usual not far behind if some might argue even up there but i think Robbie's Robbie deserves it JD is batting away and will probably at this rate quite easily be our player of the year he's got 30 runs which the tigers took 10 games to accumulate that so just have a wee think about that one man putting in to this early days of the season what the tigers have have taken all all year to do Pitching, we, we fell a wee bit in the pitching. Uh, bats, cuts, and sunflower seeds uh, beat us the two in the pitching. So, a wee bit harder perhaps to pick our player of the week there. We won on the wins and we ran on one on the ERA. Uh, wins coming from Giolito, Kikuchi, Montero, and Pivetta. Uh, so, all the teams bar the Tigers. In fact, Richards got a win as well, uh, and Kikuchi never. So, uh, Yes, I got that a wee bit wrong. Kikuchi got seven strikeouts, which was our best strikeout, and only 3.86 ERAs, so decent performance from there. Gareth Richards came in late uh, and did well for us on the Sunday night, getting a, a win when we got two wins. So it's good fun. We're, we're really enjoying it. Concerned that the Candyman, Jamer Candelario of the Tigers, appears to be injured. Uh, he's currently on the day-to-day list, so we, we will miss him if he doesn't manage to play this week. We maybe also need to find out a wee bit more about how waivers work in fantasy baseball. So that's one of our tasks. It's probably the same as it works out in normal baseball, which is great. But again, it helps us just learn about that. So maybe next week we will update you on that. uh, Good. Keep it going. Uh, Well done to all the lads. White jocks continue to ride the crest of a wave in the Highland Bullpen Baseball podcast So we're not going to give our own white jocks man, Skelts, Dave Jr., the chance to talk about that. He's got enough glory as he beavers away, trading endlessly, uh, making sure that his team remain on the top. Uh, I remain a team player, and the Detroit Tigers suck team uh, continue to suck in fourth place.
0: (laughs) So on AAA this week, Ask About Anything, we've been asked to explain about the simple rating system and is it really simple or not. This is the the system that we discovered as well quite recently, pretty much by chance when it determined that actually the Houston Astros at the time were actually ranked as the best team in baseball despite sitting in third place in the AL West at that point in time. Now, this is a system which takes account of two things – the strength of the baseball teams that you've played so far in your schedule, and the run differential. So teams that have won games big and lost close games are actually rewarded in in the simple rating system because it takes account of the fact that actually, you know, they, they, they have been performing better than the raw win-loss statistics would suggest. So, Alan, the simple rating system, was that something that you'd encountered or heard of before and does it make much sense to you?
1: You look, look at it. I'll maybe look at it from a football perspective if I can. We're used to, to leagues. leagues where, like in the Scottish league, the top division has got 12 teams. Play the split, the playoff thing, effectively you would play every team the same amount of times. I actually think the split is turning out to be quite a good thing in Scottish football. That's a different question. So you play every team the same amount of times and you would play them home and away the Same amount of times I, so, what you have at the end of the year, at the end of the season, is that inequity as to who has played who. In baseball, baseball thirty teams. There's uh, five in your division. There's 50 fifteen in your game. league. You play one hundred and sixty-two games. So you don't actually. Okay, so it's like, not you play every team. What would that be? Roughly five times. Uh, what you actually do. do is you play majority of your games against division. What you do in your own division is you play not quite half the games, but you play them a big proportion of your games against the other four teams in your division, because that division title is needed by who is beating each other the most in those games. So you play every team in your division 19 times. You then play six games against teams who in are in your league. league. So the American league. league would then be playing the teams in the other two divisions, uh, 66 games, 10, 10 teams. Uh, and then you also have the balance of your yeah. games is then again teams in the National League. I won't. I don't think the point of this conversation, conversation is necessarily to go into each one, but what you've effectively got is a situation there, I think, where you will not, not necessarily... National League team on an equitable basis and you won't play every American League team on, on an equitable basis. So some must have an advantage and I know we end up awarding a National League title and an American um, League title. The simple rating system is effectively, I think, designed to say if you all move. these factors into account the, the team who might have, have the most points game. or the most wins the best team because they might be playing tougher teams to use a simple rating system which I assume is then a indicator of who is actually going to end up as World Series champions if that makes sense yes, to Alan, me
0: yes Alan I think that sound that wasn't a bad stab I think at the the simple rating system and I guess it can kind of probably f- provides some some reassurance to fans of certain teams and I've, I've not checked Alan where the Tigers feature at the moment but you're hoping that part of the recent kind of poor run is just because you're facing teams that would presumably be in the top end or the top half of the average scale. But the simple rating system determines how a team would do against an average MLB team at a neutral venue. So as we stand just now, and obviously things change quickly in baseball, but the Astros would defeat an average MLB team on a neutral field by just about one run, 09 runs and obviously the fact they've not done that so far is to do with the strength of the opposition that they've faced to date. So Yorkshire, Dave does the explanation keep the rating system simple or is there anything you'd like to, to add to that? <laughs>
3: yeah I think uh, personally I think I need more research into this but uh, coincidentally I've just uh, seen something from MLB who I think every week bring out what they refer to as the power rankings and I think it's a, it sounds very similar to what you're saying, where they look at a team's run differential, they call it, don't they? You know, they must have some kind of formula for taking into account their position and then they work it back to see effectively how they would perform against an average baseball team. And yeah, the Astros are, are right up there. In terms of scheduling... I don't really know, and, um, you know, because so, I'm the oldest one here, and uh, I look back to a golden age of the uh, 1950s. I think, you know, I think if I had a, a time machine, I wouldn't go back to the dinosaurs. I'd go back to New York in the 1950s and watch yeah, the Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants, and the Yankees. Of course, you've got two conferences. You've got a conference system. And back in that day, it wasn't divisional. It was just eight teams in the American League and eight teams in the National League. And I don't know if this was true, but I think back then they only played 154 games. So if you're playing and there would be no interleague game, there. interleague stuff only came in relatively recently in 1997, I think. So back in the day, I think you would just play the other seven teams 22 times or whatever, but I'm not exactly sure about that. And no doubt, as with uh, some of UEFA's arrangements for and the draws for the various competitions, the MLB will have some Byzantine system for working out the Scheduling, uh, which, you know, no doubt we'll, we'll work it out eventually, maybe by
0: the end of this season. No, absolutely, Yorkshire Dave. And I guess thinking, Dave Jr., about your White Sox in particular, who you play and when you play them really does matter because, you know, the White Sox have had some hot backs so far this season. We mentioned the injuries you've been having. Those injuries might not stop you sweeping a series, for example, Picking a team at random against a Texas Rimpo, it might well be those kind of teams you could be even missing some of your star names. But what if the schedule throws up, you know, the, the Dodgers, for example, or or a top team at the moment where suddenly you find yourself shorn of your of your top stars? So can the scheduling either help you build momentum or stop you gaining that momentum in the first place?
2: I think it can help you. Sport really Depends on momentum. If you're going to be successful, you need to build that momentum. It doesn't need to just be winning games as well. It can be small things that you do during the course of games or the ball club, the the, the training. Absolutely everything can lead to strong momentum. I'm really interested two quick points, Richard. Firstly, our listeners, I'm sure, would really be interested to hear where they can find that simple rating system. I'd quite like to look at it as well. It's well worth staying in touch with it during the season. Um, But also, I feel like I mentioned ESPN's 30 for 30 every week, but they really do some, some wonderful documentaries. There's one that I've seen, and it's called The Schedule Makers. 15 minutes long. Any of you should be able to get a hold of it on whichever streaming service you use. And it's about a husband and wife team the Stevenson's uh, just done a quick check when we were talking there, and for twenty-five years, they won the contract to schedule the MLB fixtures. So it wasn't a computer; it wasn't uh, many companies. And I'm talking about IBM, Microsoft. They all tendered for this contract every year, but they were the ones that were successful. It ultimately ended up back with this husband and wife team. Uh, I kid you not; they they show their house. And it's like a crime scene investigation room. You know, all these different charts everywhere. These companies could not figure out how to prepare 30 teams or how to schedule in 30 teams over the course of, of that number of days. But this husband and wife team could. And there's all these things you've got to take into account. Uh, it could be a special national day in Cincinnati or Chicago could have a, a parade that day. All of these things had to be taken into account throughout the course of you know April running through to October. And the job that they done for these 30 teams, 30 states, for the organization, for the fans, flights in between these cities, it was mind-blowing to the extent where actual organizations, no computer could actually do the job until recently. It was this team. A couple pulling this together for the MLB, so it's called the Schedule Makers, and it's it's really fascinating. Fantastic
0: recommendation and an incredible story, that as well, Dave Jr., along with robot umpires, etc. I'm glad to see <clears throat> technology getting overmatched by the humble human being.
1: Your question about momentum I thought was of interest. It's sort a of football <laughs> analogy, then as well. I you play generally a series of three or four games if you are playing a weaker team not a weakened team if you're so if you're playing the tigers the yankees have been struggling but they've now come in and they've swept the tigers 3-0 the yankees move on from that because they've suddenly been given three relatively easy games but that's a good question what i'm not entirely sure about from a baseball perspective so much of a baseball, baseball result job. is based pitcher so if you've got a starting rotation of 5 pitchers you have three guys doing well yeah there's a bit of confidence confidence going through the team but if you're then bringing in a fourth pitcher who's maybe lost his last couple of games or that's worth a wee discussion because that's not as simple simple as maybe the example I talked about earlier if Aston Villa went and won their first four games of the season against relatively weak teams be excited they would be on the go because they're fielding generally the same 11 players every week or we're taking a different goalkeeper in today or we're taking a different striker in today Uh, they might have slightly different formations but I'm not sure if momentum seems to have a bigger opportunity here
0: That makes sense Alan and I guess like much of, of baseball and much of what we like about baseball that the rating system might not be simple but it is wonderful just like the game of baseball
1: So looking at the week ahead The Tigers are back in Detroit, Comerica Park, series with the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Both teams, I think, just about over 500 or around about the 500 mark just now. Mind you, every team is pretty much ahead of the the Tigers just now. I think uh, we also get one game back in the Highland Bullpen Division next week before we record next week against Richard's Mariners. Can't remember if that's actually in Seattle or whether the guys are coming over to the East Coast. But what about the Red Sox, Dave? Tell us what they'll be up to this week.
3: Looking to the week ahead for Boston, it's back to Fenway and uh, what looks like a a pretty tough um, series at home to the Athletics. Uh, The A's um, earlier this season had a pretty hot streak I think they won 13 um, straight and they're still top of their division so um, at this point I think it's important for me to observe that uh, going into the week Boston has the best record in baseball eight games above 500 I'm not sure how often I'm going to be able to say that as the season progresses so important to get it on record I think so um, yeah we're 22-14, Twenty-two and fourteen, top of the AL East um, with the Yankees now in second place and only three games back. I think um, the A's uh, will be um, tough over three games at Fenway, and then it's um, the the Angels, Angels um, in another three-game series. Um, uh, it's, if we want Boston to um, to say successful for the rest of the season, and um, we do, then um, it's important that they continue to improve their home record. Um, so I would be hoping for narrow wins over Oakland two one and the Angels two one um, would be very satisfied with that contributions are coming from all quarters in the in the roster. The starting pitching is pretty good. And hitting now at both the top of the order and the lower order is um is, is still looking still looking good. So yeah, I remain that hopeful and um we'll see what happens.
1: So all that talk of web gems makes us think about our Web presence. You'll find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. We publish most of our stuff. We try to have a bit of chat on Twitter. So drop along, give us a follow, interact with us. We're very grateful to Les UK Mets fan and UK Mets Online for giving us some thoughts on a question we threw out a couple of weeks ago. We put on to Twitter about: Is there going to be a power shift in New York with the money being put into the Mets via Steve Cohen. Some interesting responses which we didn't really think about, so grateful for them to do that and everyone else is welcome to come along and give us their views as well and just a wee thanks as well to those people who follow the hashtag #ScottSwab and helped us complete our Scotland Euro 2020 to be played in 2021 sticker collection, which was a great wee throwback to our youths and No, the lads weren't doing it for their sons, as they would try to claim. They were doing it for themselves. Thank you.